the latest news, updates, and more from the world of health and medicine. This is Medical Minutes with Wish TV's medical reporter, Dr. Mary Gillis. From Wish TV, I'm medical reporter, Dr. Mary Gillis, and this is Medical Minutes on the All Indiana Podcast Network. There are many unknowns once again about the 2021-2022 school year. For those parents with children who have pre-existing health conditions who are under 12 or cannot get the COVID-19 vaccine for health reasons, there are some tough decisions to be made. In this episode of Medical Minutes, I speak with Brenda McLean, Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center School Counselor, about how to help parents navigate this. Every business is unique and has a target audience. If you own or manage a business, Circulus Digital Media can help you connect and grow your customer base with turnkey digital solutions that are nimble, offering best-in-class results, service, and support to reach a bigger customer base, allowing you to pinpoint a specific audience down to the smallest details. Get outside the city, the state, span the globe. Put Circulus Digital Media to work for you. Get started now at CirculusDigital.com. That's CirculusDigital.com. Joining us now in our newsroom, we have Brenda McLean. She is a school counselor at Indiana's Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center. Welcome, Brenda. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you know what? This is such an interesting topic. We're talking about individualized health plans for children in school, but also we were discussing earlier that can also apply to to other things. So first, um, this is something, uh, uh, first talk about what an individualized health plan is for a child. What does this mean? We're talking about schools, right? Correct. Okay. Um, This is a plan um, that is help devised by the school and with information from your physician, uh, from any of your healthcare providers that help to understand how to take care of you, keep you safe, keep you well at school, also how to accommodate any needs you might have so that you're able to attend school and participate to the fullest extent in activities in school. It would list restrictions or supports, accommodations um, that are needed uh, to um, keep you healthy and safe at school. And we're talking about sort of um, a team, physician, parents, school, and is there is the school as a whole? Where does it where does it trickle down from? I mean, the school board uh, superintendent uh, is it dependent on each school individually? Is it the district as a whole? It's the responsibility of the school nurse to help complete and develop a health plan, but definitely it doesn't fall totally on the nurse. If it if we are just talking about clinical things, you know, taking medication, things like that, Um, nursing. However, when you're talking about what do they need in school, what are those accommodations, can they participate in all the activities, you need to include counselors, teacher, any um, relevant teachers or staff that are with that kiddo, Um, definitely administration in terms of committing time, funds, resources, anything of that nature that might be necessary. So it's definitely a team effort. Well, that's so interesting, Brenda, that you say that because I just remember being in school and uh, the nurse's office. I know if a, if a, a kid had asthma, there was a, you know an extra um, uh, inhaler there or an EpiPen. Of course, they have sort of tools or uh, things to help save a child uh, given an emergency. But also, these it's sort of underutilized. I guess school counselors, and and that's just in my. I don't want to make a sweeping statement, but it's great for parents to know that these resources are there for children and they're there to help you to make the best school year possible. I mean, like you said, we don't know, uh, we don't know what's going to happen in, in terms of this year. It's, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, again, we don't know what's going to happen. So 
let's talk about um, the process. How do we go about the process? Does the parent initiate? Does the nurse reach out to uh, or other administrators or other the other team members? Um, how does this work? Well, it has to start with families completing honestly and disclosing medical issues on the health forms that schools ask for, school nurses ask for and keep on file. Um, many times nurses have certain indicators, um, diabetes, asthma, epilepsy, things like that, that they are definitely looking for and they're going to be reaching out to the families. However, for example, for us, our kiddos with bleeding disorders or blood disorders, um, those need to be disclosed, but nurse may not automatically reach out for those. So for a family, starting with notifying the school, then getting with their physician, their providers to say, can you put in writing information I need to share with school in terms of how to keep me safe or the child safe? What do they need? What's going to make sure that they promote attendance and all of those things, and then contact the school, say, hey, let's set up a meeting. I want to talk about health plan. I have information for my uh, provider. We want to we want to talk about that. We want to think about what are the possible scenarios? How can we um, create as much inclusion and engagement as possible? Get that kiddo to school instead of staying home um, and those types of things. And then the school can help the parents develop that plan that is like for the school year to begin. Well, I mean, you raise such a great point. I mean, there's just two things that stand out. It's up to the onus is on the parents, team up with the physician, and then get whatever sort of um, documentation and then bring it to the school. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of, that would be sort of the three-step plan, I would say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. To simplify it a little bit. Right. And, and schools are very willing to do it. They just don't know, you know, if we aren't bringing that to them, schools are wonderfully supportive and happy to, to do what they can do. It's just not always brought to their attention. Right. The mess they're, they're there, they're ready. And, and to get the, the message out there that, and, and like you said, maybe a parent just doesn't know these resources are out there and they just assume that their child can't go to school or can't participate in certain activities in school. And, you know, if we have an individualized health plan for that child so that they can engage in, in um, specific activities, uh, that's, that's wonderful. I mean, compared to this last year. It, uh, it is. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about um, deciding to go in person, let's say, if a parent wants their child to go in person, the kids under age 12, they can't be vaccinated yet. Um, don't let your guard down. So what is what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. It's it these same basic principles apply, but there also needs to be those specific questions asked of your medical providers and saying, do I have some enhanced risk because of COVID? You know, we're all concerned about COVID. We're all concerned about the risk. Schools are putting safety plans into place, you know, in those things. But does this create some enhanced issue for my child? Sometimes it might be prudent if you can get a copy of the schools safety plan, what are they planning to do for COVID um, safety protocols, take it to the doctor, say, hey, does this look good? Does this apply to my kiddo? Um, do we need something enhanced here that we need to work out? Um, and just communication is key, right? Make sure every, all the players are aware and they can communicate what the needs are so that there are no gaps and there's no one who's left out of the circle so that our kiddos get all the support that they need and the safety. The team, it's a team effort, right? <laughs> That's great. Absolutely. Love the way you put that. Uh, so this is something, for, uh, please correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. Um, is this something by law? This is required by law in certain circumstances, but not in others? There, there are um, some of the health plans that are put into 
um, some of the school legislation for certain conditions, diabetes, um, epilepsy, asthma, and a couple others. Um, for, for example, in our particular case, our patients with bleeding and blood disorders, it is not, but it's definitely when parents ask for this opportunity to talk about their child's health and to continue to make a plan. Sometimes if the health plan does enough and that's all they need, sometimes depending on the condition, you have to go a little bit further into something called a 504 document that just gives a little more depth to the educational support um, that you just do that with your school team as well. Um, but those are available. And I think what happens sometimes with families is, hey, our kiddo has this condition, we're working with it at home, we're learning, da, da, da. Um, and they don't feel that that has, it's not that they don't know it has implications, but they feel like they're just supposed to manage it. Um, and there are many psychosocial issues um, and engagement issues with kids that come with chronic conditions and schools can support that school counselor school engagement just making sure that kiddo feels as typical as possible um, in the school day just takes a little planning so maybe i didn't hear you correctly so if you uh from there are certain things that conditions like epilepsy diabetes and asthma that are required by law but other sort of um immunocompromised uh diseases, sickle cell disease, maybe a clotting condition or compromised respiratory system, there just needs to have that extra step to bring in. Okay. So it's not that they'll, you know, a school is going to say, you know, sorry, we can't incorporate a individualized healthcare because your child has, has these conditions and they're not on the list. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, as a parent, okay. So as a parent, a caregiver, a caretaker, during the pandemic, how do you advocate for your child if, if, if for some reason there's a little bit of resistance? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I and we, we, yeah. I think we want to all understand that everybody wants what's best for children, but let's just say we run in, into some trouble. Right. I think that they're, again, starting out with communication ahead of time prior to just there being an issue um, helps to put everyone on the same page. However, when there is um, some kind of conflict, I think many times it's, you know, I want for my child exactly what I want for my child and schools have to put that in the bigger picture, right? Um, they can't, there isn't a one-on-one -on -one person with every child every day to watch certain things. It's, so there is also the possibility there's also the opportunity to bring in the children here. So, for example, um, if, you know, we're having spacing and this is what we're doing in school, but there's a recommendation that this particular kiddo wear their mask, parents may say, I want the whole class to wear masks. Well, the school may resist that and say that's not our protocol, that's not our rule, you know, but your child can certainly wear his or her mask. So, Parents have to, you don't have to compromise what's safe, but you have to compromise and think about the schools have to think about everyone. You're thinking about just yours, right? And so we have to work together to, to make that work. Um, and then talk to the child and say, here's what we have going on. Here's why the school wants to keep you safe. Here's how we're keeping you safe. And if that means, for example, you wearing a mask and no one else is, we have to work with our kids for them to understand why that's important for their health and safety. Right. So there has to be an amount of give and take where we all do our part, you know, because we're talking about more than just the one child. You have a classroom full. That's so interesting. I wasn't sure where the child uh, fit into this picture, but it is important to communicate that 
we move forward with, or we ask the question and maybe there needs to be some accommodation, but like, you're right. I mean, parents are thinking about their own children, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, but right. But does the school do their best? Um, but then communicating with the child and, and the language that you used in terms of simplifying it. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the way that you put that. Could you, could you say that one more time? the way in which the language would maybe the conversation with the parent well, using maybe the same example that you just used. I'll try just the, the fact that children, um, the children have to be part of this process for their own care. They have to learn that, um, understand why they need particular accommodations, why that's important to them, why it's good for their care, their teachers and their school care about them. And that's why we're doing it. And children need to learn to advocate for themselves and they need to learn to understand their part and their responsibility in their health care. So when we teach children those, as you said, that verbiage, we teach them the words to use, we teach them how to ask respectfully and to explain things for themselves as well and to understand the process, they have buy-in, which is much, makes a much better experience for everyone and much more effective. That's so interesting. Brenda, any, anything else you'd like to add about this topic? So interesting that you raised this, really important stuff. Yeah, it, it is really important. I think that it's I think that there are times where if your child is not one with a chronic issue, you really don't realize the scope of this. Um, if you check out the CDC, they recognize one in four school age kids has a chronic condition. So if you're talking 25% of your population has a termed chronic condition, some that require more support than others, of course, um, we're talking about a lot of kids. We're talking about a lot of families who can use the support who may or may not be reaching out to school to help with that and are burdening all of that on their own um, and not having their child at home all day because they're at school, but they're, that burden is all on them. And so getting that message out that this is a much larger issue than maybe people believe or know that it is and um, learning and understanding that flexibility is, is pretty important. And families know they're not alone and that they can work with their school and reach out and they don't have to keep that um, always, you know, feeling as though they're the only ones who are addressing the issue. Exactly. And you know what? They can learn from one another, right? If they're going through the process uh, for the first time, I mean, parents can sort of, again, team up a little bit and, and say, how does this work for you? And um I'm just speculating here. I mean, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> if, if families will go to the um, Department of Education website, there are a, there's a list of some advocacy agencies um, that will um, work with families and help if they're feeling like they're having difficulty with their school or feeling like that's an issue, that they can reach out to those advocacy agencies for assistance to help them with what they can expect and what's the lingo and how do I work on that process, right? Um so definitely there's help out there. And then uh, we'll be certainly certain to have that uh, on our website, that link on our website. Any other, any other resources that we should uh, link to our link to this story and, and make certain that parents have the most information that they can get? Um, I do think, as I said, there's also on the Department of Ed website, there's a link to just like school nursing. So on there, there are template examples of what health plan might look like for, for example, diabetes or for asthma. So while there may not be one for what their specific chronic condition is, it gives them an idea of what kinds of things can be put in there or what that could look like. Um, And therefore, you know, have some verbiage and some things to make sure that they're asking and looking for. Right. New things can be, uh, can be complicated and a little bit scary. Right. Right. So So you want to, um, 
you just don't know what questions to ask sometimes. Um, and, and when doctors don't always offer this information, parents need to be sure they ask for it in writing to take to school. Um, you know, that alone is a pretty big help. They just don't even know what to ask. So, well, Brenda, thank you so much. It's such a great conversation and great information to get out to, to parents and children in schools and, and physicians and this, uh, this sort of teamwork that we have here to make sure everybody has the, uh, every child has the best school year possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, I did think of one other resource that could be helpful. Um, yes, please. Is um, even going to our own, our website, IGPC.org. Um, we have some, um, resources on there that are for, um, for example, checklists when you're going off to college or advocacy, you know, self-advocacy or, um, you know, different things for schools as well. What is the difference? What is a 504? What is a IEP to help families know when they're talking with schools about those? So they could also reference our website for some of that information also. Oh, that's great. We'll certainly have that, uh, that link up there too. Sure. Well, Brenda, thank you so much again. Appreciate Mary, your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. This has been Medical Minutes from Wish TV. I'm medical reporter Dr. Mary Gillis. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast and check out new updates every week. You can also learn more at wishtv.com and when you follow Wish TV on Facebook. Learn more and get more with Wish TV. Online at wishtv.com and when you follow Wish TV on Facebook. Be sure to check out more great podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now. Now at allindianapodcastnetwork.com.